Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. I am so thrilled to have you back with me again this week, and even more thrilled to introduce you to our guest. Over the past few weeks, we have been really digging into talking about technology, growing our careers, how we help our young people as we are navigating this new world of virtual learning and understanding the role technology plays as we are navigating virtual learning, both as educators, parents, caregivers, and community members, and professionals. And today, I have an expert with us that is going to talk and dig into this whole concept of artificial intelligence, data, and machine learning. As a computer scientist, I know that coding is one part of what we do in computer science, but the main drive behind everything we do in computer science rests on the shoulders of data. Data is what helps us make decisions. It's help, it, helps, it is what is marketing. It is what is driving businesses to make decisions for next innovative products, for taking products away, putting products on the shelf, understanding their customers. And it's also what drives what we call machine learning and artificial intelligence so that our technology can be smarter. So I have with me today the amazing Shamir Davis, who is not only an expert, but is also my friend. Shamir Davis is a senior analytics leader at and specializes in the application of artificial intelligence and machine learning in marketing and the Internet of Things. That is also abbreviated as IOT in the medical and technology industry. She has served as a data scientist, senior analyst in the finance, retail, and healthcare industries, leading efforts to democratize democratize, excuse me, access to data and making insights relevant and actionable. Her current passion is developing training and development opportunities for women in under, underrepresented groups in STEM-related analytic careers, having recently focused on establishing training and development opportunities for hundreds of individuals in the areas of advanced analytics, including artificial intelligence. Hi, Shamir, and welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Jones, and um, thank you so much for having me today, and hello to everyone out there listening. I am so thrilled to have you because when we first met a few years ago, I, we immediately connected mostly because we're both data nerds and we love all things that circle around data and how that helps us make decisions. But tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you even, fall, you know, I don't want to say fall is probably not the right word, but how did you walk into a world in, and career in data? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And, you know, sometimes when I look back over my career, it, it makes me chuckle a little bit um, because it would seem like maybe I've done a little bit of like wandering around, but all, all of the things that I've done have been, you know, stepping stones into my current career. So, you know, I've, I have a background in analytics. Um, uh, I would say like at least 15 years of experience in analytics. So all of that requires data and um, information. So 
very early on, I've been someone who really loves like research and, you know, information that supports different theories and um, hypotheses. So for me, it's been, you know, kind of a no brainer that I ended up here. But um, just talking a little bit about my journey specifically, yeah, I started more as a business analyst. Um, back when I first started working after college. And in that role, I helped, I kind of, I was able to develop my communication skills, which, you know, is going to be critical when I talk about data science in just a minute. But, you know, during that time, I was able to do some of the, you know, more basic uh, analysis, like, you know, how much, how many, where are we right now, kind of looking at the current, uh, the current state of the business, as well as working with business partners to kind of um, tease out requirements for new products or, you know, new applications or reports. So, you know, fast forward a few years, um, you know, I started my uh, business degree, so my master's in business at UNC Charlotte. And during this time, that was when the term data science was starting to be um, publicized. And um, while there were no formal uh, data science programs at that time. Uh, UNC Charlotte was one of the first universities to uh, start to develop some analytic related courses. So in the fields of marketing, um, mobile device analytics, so how do you uh, use machine learning with cell phones, um, and then some other areas of uh, machine learning. So I took all of the courses I could that were offered by the time, you know, before I graduated. And so that was really where I cemented my desire to work in the field of data science. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, when I was working in the financial services industry, um, the company I was working for had just created a chief data office and they had just posted some uh, roles for data scientists. And so, you know, I made it my goal to be prepared for uh, to be in those roles. So uh, it took about six months, but I eventually was brought on the team. And that's where, you know, I've really soared in my data science journey. So when you talk about the words analytics, can you define what is analytics in your definition? Well, I would say, you know, analytics really is simply about taking information asking a question, using that information to support it, and then getting an, uh, some sort of answer that you can therefore use, whether that's, you know, in your personal life or, you know, in a business application. So really simply it's about, you know, how, what question are you asking? What are you using to answer it? And how are you going to apply that answer? Right. And that could be anything between quantitative data, which would be numerics, quantitative being numbers where you take it and you find a mean, you, you, an average, a mean, an average, a, a mode or a, a, um, a min, a max kind of information where you start taking those numbers and dig into what are they actually saying. Or it could be qualitative as well, where you're analyzing text and finding mm -hmm. out what people's responses are, customer responses are, et cetera, to gain knowledge. Absolutely. And <laughs> it's funny, um, a lot of machine learning and deep learning, and we'll talk about those terms in just a minute, like those are the, the core, you know, pillars of what it takes to be able to to those questions. So like, you know, if you're talking about how 
you know, what is, what sentiment does the customer have? Or, um, mm. you know, are they happy with our product or our company? Yes, absolutely. You would use machine learning or deep learning to answer that question, but it is a form of analytics. And sometimes you might see the term advanced analytics when we talk about um, machine learning or deep learning in that aspect. So, and, you know, I think about this a lot because data has been around for a long time. How we've collected data has changed drastically as technology has improved. So, I want to define this a little bit because you mentioned it. I thought you did a nice job of saying that when you first left college and you started your degree and you were doing, looking at, you were working as a business analyst where you were taking numbers, helping to make decisions for the business. And then as you earned your business degree, you started walking into this new discipline called data science. Now, data science encompasses a lot of different avenues one of which includes something that we call artificial intelligence and machine learning. Can you define, first, let's define what is machine learning, and then let's define what is artificial intelligence. And then let's give a good example. The one I'm thinking in particular is the one that you always uh, give as a great example to our young people, which is around Netflix. Yeah, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's funny that you asked the question that way because machine learning is actually a sub discipline of AI so but machine learning is probably one of the largest technologies that's used within the AI space but simply it's just when you you um, take a computer you give it lots of data which we sometimes call examples and then that computer is able to learn patterns from it to be able to make new predictions. I mean make predictions on new data that it sees or excuse me, that it's fed. So it takes data, learns a pattern from it, and then makes a prediction on it. And so when we talk about AI, AI is more of the broader um, concept here. So it's, you know, it is based in computer science, and it's just a way for the computer to learn and reason in a human-like behavior. Um, and so we use several different techniques. I've already, I've already mentioned machine learning, but there are, there are others like deep learning, and then there are so many others within those kind of um, subfields that we could talk about. But at the end of the day, AI, again, is important to be able to get meaningful insights from large amounts of data fast and in a way that's um, more efficient than a, a person could do. So... An example, let's, I, want, I want to go to Netflix, but a quick example of artificial intelligence or AI would be something like Alexa or Google Home. Is that correct? Absolutely. There are so many, so many different examples. But yeah, so smart assistants are, are one, robots are another, uh, chatbots are another one. Uh, self-driving cars, the list goes on and on and on. So, <laughs> Right. And these are things that we all recognize now as we have noticed the technological discipline and, uh, and innovators happening over time. And, you know, I, I for a long time resisted having something like Alexa in my house. Uh, and I don't even know why I resisted it. But, you know, <laughs> it, I had for like a, a hot second. Do you remember the clap on, clap off where you would clap on and clap <laughs> off your, <laughs> your lights, which I think was like the first iteration. Yeah. But, um you know, I, I love Alexa. I was, this is just a little bit of a side note. We, we started school this week and um, virtual school and my neighbor has a little boy who's in kindergarten and they were having a conversation with his teacher about um, doing that little bit of assessment, you know, tell me the letter, tell me the sound. And a letter came up and he said, and he did, he, you know, was having 
couldn't think of what the letter was. And so he asked his dad, you know, can you tell me what it is? And he said, no, you know, nope, this is for you to learn. And so he turns, he says, Alexa, what is uh, the sound? And literally his dad just burst out laughing because he was like, he just asked Alexa to tell him what that letter was. Even though Alexa can't see that, but he was asking Alexa, can you tell me? I started giggling. I thought, you know, it's such a different time zone for our kids these days. But I like the way you rephrase what I said in terms of under but the artificial intelligence is really the recipient of what machine learning does and what deep learning does. Okay. So machine learning we mentioned is when we feed a machine data. So you can think about it um, like giving it 10 different pictures of an apple so it begins to see the pattern that those pictures represent an apple. And there are models and there are software programs out there that help us develop that machine learning. Then you also mm -hmm. mentioned something called deep learning. Can you talk a little bit about what is deep learning? Um, because that's really made artificial intelligence go to the next level. Yeah, so deep learning is... If we think about AI as like the big, like the big circle, machine learning is in, in the middle of that circle. Deep learning is in machine learning. So deep learning is a subfield of machine learning. So it's a type of machine learning. Um, and so in this, um, with deep learning, really you're gonna take information and you're going to use a neural network. So a neural network really tries to mimic the way like a human brain mm -hmm. um, functions. So you're going to take some information. There's something called um, a hidden layer. So you've got hidden layers in the neural network, which process the data, and then you're going to get an output. So that will be whatever the prediction is. So the neural network also learns patterns, but it uses much more d data. It goes deeper. And then um, you can use different, you can use deep learning for lots of different types of applications like Google search or um, you know, the natural language type um, type uh, products. So chatbots might be one. Um, and there are so many other applications, but you're right. Deep learning has really made, um, I would say, I don't want to say this because I, I love machine learning, but I, I feel like deep learning is more interesting to people because of just the, the applications that are being used with deep learning that make it more futuristic, um, so to speak, but in a nutshell, that's, that's the difference between machine learning and deep learning. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a newer, like, I don't want to say it's newer because artificial intelligence has been around for a long time. And we talk a little bit about that history here in just a moment, but the pieces about where deep learning has really pivoted the way artificial intelligence works is that it begins to mimic more of what we interact as humans, because part of you know, I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to put this into relative perspective. If we think about robotics and our, if you just stop for just one second and I say the word robot, what vision comes to mind? You know, you may think of a, a box of a very, you know, um, I'm doing this with my hands, although you can't see me like, you know, just a very rigid movement type of robot that, or something that you've yeah. seen you know, where the robots take over the world in, in a movie, right? You, ha you have sort of this weird vision in your head. 
And which was true for a long time because that's part of what, you know, a robot was not a human. And that's where the deep learning is coming in to help create more of that human network of how that machine is going to interact with us. Now, remember, that machine is still not human. It's not human and it's not going to take over the world. Robots are not going to take over the world. We still have to drive them as humans. But that that deep learning process of being like you mentioned about a customer sentiment about something right because often we may respond with a quantitative response but our qualitative response may be very different Mm -hmm. absolutely and so like with deep learning so like nlp or natural language processing um like that might be an application of deep learning and so you know if you take you know, a number of, let's just say, you know, you've got some customer reviews and, you know, you want to know if your product is meeting, if, if maybe you need to introduce a new um, capability to the product or make some changes, like maybe you'll take some reviews, let's just say Amazon, um, like you look at a product on Amazon, you can look at all of the, all of the reviews. Now, sometimes you've got the, you know, like the star system, but you've also got the comments. And so you're right, like you've got the qualitative score, but you've also got um, this, uh, you've also got this, uh, this plethora of information that would give you more insight if only you could harness it. And so deep learning does allow you to harness all of that data and then be able to spit out really quickly whether, you know, something is positive Maybe it's neutral, maybe it's negative, or whatever categories you want to assign to it. So yes, like I, I feel like, um, and you know, if we talk about deep learning too, like you also get to use more of the data that, like, there's so much unstructured data. So when we talk about structured versus unstructured data, like deep learning can take advantage of all of that unstructured data that we have out there in the world. There's so much of it. So like we've got email, we've got tweets, we've got Facebook posts, we've got images, we've got, um, you know, just so much information that can be, uh, that can tell us things. And, you know, technologies like deep learning, and then there are other ones that, you know, I haven't mentioned, but that will allow us to use that information for, you know, to create new products or to, you know, create new capabilities or, you know, basically to make human life a little bit more enjoyable or fun, depending on like, what what product you're actually creating or what problem you're solving. So can you give us an example on a personal note of where you've seen artificial intelligence and machine learning really affect our personal gain? I'm sort of thinking even your example about Netflix, it could be a chat, but I mean, what do you think is a good example of a personal in our personal lives where you've seen artificial intelligence, this whole category of um, technology change our personal lives? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, like anything that probably provides like a, a recognition. So like, I, I'd say like my favorite ones are probably like uh, my Alexa, only because I can ask questions like you do have to kind of structure your questions a little bit but I can ask questions and get an uh, information really quickly so um, I actually have an Alexa and a Google Home um, because I'm a a nerd (laughs) so like one one of the things that I do I like to use my Google Home when I'm cooking 
to pull up recipes for me or pull up videos so that, you know, I can keep doing what I'm doing. So, but I don't have to search on a computer for that information. I can just simply, as I'm going about my other tasks, ask the machine to provide me some information and then I can keep going on. So I feel like it makes my life more efficient only because I don't have to pull out my computer or my phone, which is small, um, and then search and stop what I'm doing. Um, on the other hand, you know, I like recommendation systems. So Netflix or Spotify or, or you know, maybe um, like Apple Podcasts or something like that. You know, they'll take information about the the things that I consume. And sometimes I get recommendations for things that maybe I didn't know existed. Um, but based on the characteristics of the things that I'm already consuming, the machine has learned that, hey, maybe this is something that Shamir might like. So let's put that out there. And, you know, if I decide to play the song or play the podcast or play the the TV show, then that's a win for the machine. If not, then it goes back to the drawing board and tries to find other things to recommend to me. So I feel like those are the two things that, for me, like make the most impact. I mean, of course there are others, but I, I feel like that's relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, I agree because, and one thing you mentioned at the very beginning was even having to tell, like train Alexa a little bit because one thing we haven't mentioned is both of those, Google Home and Alexa, use voice recognition, which is also another innovative technology and is gaining in um, in momentum, in my opinion, in terms of Siri, chatbots, uh, all of the in-home pieces where our voices are actually training the uh, the at-home device. And it goes back a little bit. I was thinking as you were talking too about when uh, the IBM Watson came out several years ago and it was used on Jeopardy and, you know, it was man versus mm-hmm. the machine, et cetera. But part of the reason why IBM, why Watson was so successful was because it was fed so much data. And the same thing happens mm-hmm. with Alexa as we keep talking. So if you ask what is the weather every day, your Alexa then that data gets stored and understands that likely Shamir is going to ask, what is the weather? I mean, in my household, that's what my children ask. What is the weather? Or Alexa, play music. They love for the music to play. So, and now Alexa knows really and goes to the same radio stations or Pandora stations that we like. Um, And then the other piece that I thought was really important that's resonated a lot with people is when you mentioned when you go on to Netflix, and Netflix was really the first entertainment company to come out with this, you know, subscription model and then recommendations. I, I think there's others, but made it big time where when you get on after you've watched a few, the pattern begins to pick up and you get the recommendations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, (laughs) so I want to make a comment and it is a funny comment about um, like how the, like the machines will pick up on your, your patterns. So sometimes you don't even have to say anything and I'm going to go off of voice for just a second and then I'll get back to that. But you know, um, when we weren't homebound pretty much um, before COVID-19, I was driving into the office every day. And so at some point, you know, my Google Home picked up on the fact that, you know, I would leave my house every day at a certain time and mm-hmm. get to work at a certain time. So each morning I would get a notification that said, um, you know, it's going to take you 20 minutes to get to this address 
um, if you leave at this time. So like, I didn't even have to ask the machine to provide me that information. I automatically got traffic, like the traffic information, um, even though it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted or needed, but you know, it was, it was something interesting that I picked up on, but going back to um, how the, how our voices are being used. Yes. So I would say that is definitely a true assessment that our Alexas or, you know, whatever our smart assistant is that we're using Mm -hmm. um, can learn the things that we ask consistently and I would say like the other thing that is happening behind the scenes too is that the companies are actually using you know our voices because you know if we think about the way voices are there's so many different types like we've got the feminine and the masculine we've got you know accents we've got um you know different languages all of these things are um inputs or parts of information that have to be fed into these models in order to get you uh, information back. So like companies that build these types of models have to take those things into consideration when they're building them in order for the product to be useful for multiple people or for many different types of people. So you know, I just wanted to point that out that there's so it's so intricate with yeah. voices, yeah. especially because there's no one set rule that says a voice is this. So it's so interesting to think about all of the work that goes into like doing voice recognition and being able to output some sort of response based on uh, some, our, our voices, which are like our fingerprints. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. And you're spot on with that because that's the part that I think makes people get frustrated with technology is because we have to think about that this particular object is inanimate. Like, I mean, it's not moving, right? It's not a thing. It's not a, a living object. So we really have to tell it everything. And so even, I can think sometimes even when you're asking uh, Siri or, or, or any of the pieces and it may not recognize your voice until some time, that back-end piece, it has to have everything has to be covered before it can really come back with a with an answer that's um takes time takes time for it just like it takes time for us to learn something Mm -hmm. well when we come back we are going to talk to shamir a little bit about artificial intelligence and machine learning in enterprise or in business what's happening in her industry right now um, based on the work that she's doing. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some skill sets that we can have as professionals that will help prepare us because artificial intelligence and machine learning is going to be a part or is already a part of what we're doing professionally. And as we are working more virtually and interacting via technology, what are some skill sets that we can be working on to really put ourselves in a position for success? So we will be right back. Stay with us. Shamir is going to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence and machine learning in the workplace. We'll be right back. From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy, 
visit the .consulting.co. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. We invite you to connect with the show today by calling in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Sharon at the.consulting.co. Now, back to Coding the Future. Welcome back to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones and to my amazing guest, Shamir Davis. Before we went on break, we were talking a bit about what is artificial intelligence, machine learning, and deep learning for that note. Because as we are navigating um, using technology more in our virtual professions, in learning and in community partnerships, etc. I wanted us to have a better understanding about how technology is really innovating and changing and how we've seen the acceleration of the way in which we're interacting with machines. And Shamir is an expert. She has been a data scientist for uh, 15 plus years and has used data to help make decisions in businesses and, and uh, across the gamut in finance and medical and um, retail. And so, Shamir, I want to ask you, what are you seeing in enterprise, uh, your current role as you are helping to develop artificial intelligence with the company you're with, and also as you do your own consulting with companies and helping them understand their data? What are you seeing right now? What are some trends that are popping up in the artificial intelligence realm? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I'll say like, I'll say these trends started, you know, some time ago, but I would say that, you know, COVID-19 has really accelerated some of uh, some of these trends. So on a, a grand scale, I would say that there are so many companies from, you know, large enterprises to the more medium sized businesses um, that are taking advantage of the, of the, just the, the, computing power that's available now because AI and machine learning and deep learning really require a lot of data at the end, at the, you know, at the core. And, you know, years ago, it used to be expensive to gather and store data, but that's becoming less, less of a, a, a barrier to entry because you've got so many different ways to take information, put it in a place to be accessed at some point. So you've got cloud technologies, you've got, you know, on-premises databases that allow you to harness or store the information that you need for the future. Then you've also got ways to, um, the ways that you actually take that information and manipulate it or and, um, try to find those patterns in it has become more accessible. So a lot of work 
uh, you know, when I first got started in this space, there was, there's a lot of disparate different types of technology. So when we talk about how you, the programming languages you might use, um, there's some open source, um, which are just, you know, like they're freely available. They are, sometimes they're not well kept up, but you know, they're accessible. Um, so a lot of those technologies were used uh, early on, but now you're starting to see that mature as well. So there are companies that are, you know, taking real, uh, real care to make sure that, you know, for large companies or medium-sized companies that may not have the time or the available talent to like, or like to hire data scientists to be able to use uh, <clears throat> a platform that will allow them to do machine learning and AI really quickly with more efficiency than you know we had been able to do in the over the past few years. So I'd say um, our ability to store to to store data cheaply, to compute with uh, you know depending on you know how you're going to actually uh, access that data has been you know more democratized. And then you know there's such a an open community in the AI space. I would say there's so much information out there and so many different um, communities that make learning new techniques um, easier. So I would say for enterprises, they're starting to recognize the value of being able to take, you know, research and actually apply it to business. So, you know, I would say just as time has gone on and technology has improved, AI uh, accessibility has also improved. Is there an example that you could give of a platform that a company might use for to, as I like what you said about that storing data has become much easier. If we think about this um, in, in some relative perspective, there used to be a time where you might, and, and I'm not saying this still doesn't happen, but it, would ha it happened more frequently where there was an actual on-site room that had tons of com computer storage area where all of your data was stored, right? You had to have a room, you had to have it cooled, it had had all these cords everywhere. And now, like for myself as a small business, I run a small business and I can actually store all of my data in the cloud. And the cloud meaning Google Drive, Dropbox, um, a variety of different, I have a few other HubSpot databases where I'm able to store my information and not have an on-site storage component. Um, so that's one example. And I think that that's changed the way in which business is able to run because we can be much more flexible. We're not, we're not honed into having to be a, on, on an on-site uh, location. But what other softwares have you seen that people have used dashboards or whatnot that have helped them better understand their data? Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's an image on the internet that shows hundreds of different like technologies in this space. So, you know, you've got your, your big companies that really where you can leverage economies of scale. So like the cloud service providers that will allow you to kind of do pretty much anything. So from data storage to like creating pipelines. So how do you get that information to a place where you can actually analyze it to the actual machine learning piece to maybe visualization. So like the big cloud, the big cloud providers like Amazon and Google, they kind of 
have everything or lots of different things that you could use. So you could pick and choose, but you could also leverage an end-to-end -end solution with those uh, providers. You've also got, you know, smaller companies. So depending on, you know, what you're trying to do. So if you've got data visualization, you can use a technology like Tableau or Click. Um, if you're doing machine learning, you can use a platform like H2O.AI or, um, let's see, maybe Data Robot. Like, there are so many different providers in this space, and it just depends on, like, where your maturity level is. So, there are some companies like H2O and Data Robot, and, you know, there are, these are just the two that I'm mentioning right now. There's also, like, Data IQ. Um, that will try to take the heavy lifting off. So like they're the, these are the companies that are trying to answer the, or fill in the time and talent gap that exists with a lot of companies. So I mentioned before, it's hard to find and, you know, train and, you know, get data scientists on board and having a technology that can do maybe some automated machine learning. That's something that I haven't really talked about, but at the core, that's what a lot of these technologies are doing. will reduce the time and the barriers to, for companies to be able to actually use a predictive solution in their, their day-to-day -day business. So, you know, those are just a few. Um, and then you've got your open source technologies, which are free. Um, so if you want to use Python or R, then you can definitely do predictions, you can do visualizations. Um, those just require a little bit more work to kind of integrate into your current infrastructure. So it kind of, it depends on what kind of work you're willing to put in and where you are in the maturity level of like, you know, uh, incorporating AI into your, your business. Yeah, I... I that's exactly correct. I mean, because small businesses may not need a big end-to-end -end solution, like you said, through Amazon or Google. Or, But I love that you mentioned some of the visualization tools like Tableau, which um, is a great ability for you to bring in data and run a visualization to be able to show this is what's happening, these are some trends, and then... Um, or something like even like a Microsoft Power BI, which is an option that people use uh, to help them visualize information Absolutely. where you can pull data in. One piece that I'm noticing too is that at the core, we have spent many of our years in technology using Excel and some of the base Microsoft products or even Google, uh, the Google-based products and we're, or even back to the day of WordPerfect, right? And all of the the newer and more well, as we continue to progress in our work allow us to integrate many of those older i'm putting that with a quotation marks technologies <laughs> into what we're what we're doing now so even if you're still using excel or whatnot you can import your excel database into power bi into your amazon into data robot because i'm curious to know like something like h2 Oh, AI or data robot, how do they collect it? What is their, what does the data come from to go into those platforms? Yeah. So with companies like H2O, um, like it's data source agnostic. So the whole, the whole goal is to be able to reach, uh, you know, you, you can have your data wherever you want it in on the cloud or, you know, on premises 
and you should just be able to connect to that data. So like H2O specifically, uh-huh. you, it's like the, the, the piece in the middle where you've got your data already. You plug in like a, a platform like H2O and you're able to do the machine learning and the AI and then you can get an object that you can use to um, feed into, you know, your production system. So, and, and <laughs> so whatever, so you're going to take those predictions and then feed them somewhere. So maybe you're going to use an API or maybe you're going to um, code it into another process. So like that really, so H2O is answering that question of, you know, how do I do the machine learning piece? Um, there are other solutions that are, you know, more, like I said, more robust, so more end to end where you can literally do everything in like maybe Google cloud platform or AWS. Um, and one thing I want to mention about like the Excels and the, the Google, like the, the Microsoft suite and the Google suite of, um, like your Excel word or Google docs and sheets, et cetera, like they are incorporating um, AI at a really rapid pace into the uh, the the uh, the products that you're using. So, and one of the things that I really love about Microsoft is uh, <laughs> one day that I figured out, oh, I can use voice recognition to take my notes. So I don't literally have to type anymore. I can just say what I need to say. And so like there are so many, there are prompts. So we talked about, you know, you, you sometimes you have to tell the machine what you want to do. So there are prompts that Microsoft has thought of to say, hey, you have to say this to go to a new line or this to add, you know, punctuation. But, you know, between that and then some add-ons that Microsoft has included in Excel, which really make like, entering information really easy. So there's a, there was one where you could do, like you could pull up all of a list of colleges and it would pull in so much information about that college and you could have everything in a table. So I can imagine if you're, you know, a parent or a student looking to apply to colleges, you could use this little uh, plugin that Microsoft has included in this Excel form. It's called a, I forget what it's called. Um, and then be able to pull in things like location, the, the population, you know, how big the school is, and all of these different attributes that, you know, if you were to look them up individually, might take you some time. So I would say, like, companies like Microsoft are really, really trying to think about the customer experience and then in, bring in AI technologies that make doing work easier. So... You know, just something I thought I'd throw out there. So even if you don't know that you're using AI, you might be using AI. Oh, for sure. I think that that's a a great example. I completely agree with that, that part of, and the reason why, and I'm I'm glad I brought up Excel mainly because it's still such a uh, prominent software in business and it's used you know, I think in like 95% of businesses have some type of Excel platform or, and or a Google sheet or some kind of sheet type uh, platform that they're using. And I've noticed over the years how uh, Microsoft has brought in different pieces to work to upgrade what people are already working in, which leads me to talking a little bit about skills that we as professionals can think about when trying to navigate or understand what artificial intelligence is. I mean, 
even as we're talking today, we know that there's a lot of different avenues and different uh, winding roads we can go down in terms of understanding everything that becomes artificial intelligence because remember the core behind what artificial intelligence is doing is creating a more human-like interaction with a machine and it's called artificial intelligence because the machine is not truly a person so that's where that AI concept comes from. So there's lots of different infrastructures and gadgets and things that are implementing this type of technology. But as a professional, what would be your advice in thinking about understanding or a skill set that we should be working on to better understand and embrace the new and I don't want to say, I'm hesitant to say new, but as we continue to innovate and formulate how we're going to be interacting with our computers and other pieces of machinery. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair question to ask because when we start to talk about the future of work and, you know, how jobs are changing, um, we have to consider what are going to be basic skills that people need to know. Um, and technology is one of those. Um, so, you know, if you think about just the way that, you know, job descriptions are written, what, are, what is one of the things that's pretty standard? Well, it used to be pretty standard and now I don't really see it as much. But one of the requirements was know the Microsoft suite of products or, you know, have some knowledge of the Microsoft suite. So I would say like eventually having some sort of core tech skills. I don't know that they've been defined. I think that's something that we'll start to see be formalized as, you know, time goes on. And that is one of the things that I am critically thinking about as we talk about, um, you know, what does, what will the jobs of the future look like because AI and other, you know, advanced technologies or emerging technologies are going to inform or change the way that we work, live and play. So. Um, I would say like just at the core, I would say as a citizen, you know, be curious. And so as we all know, tech moves quickly, like there's constant innovation. So we have to become continual learners. And, you know, I, I feel it as though that's something that, you know, it can be hard, especially as you get older to find the time and maybe not even knowing where to start. And so I think for me, my passion is trying to make it easy to get into, you know, what are the, the important things that you need to learn and where do you start and how do you realistically set goals to get there? But I would say like being curious and being a, and getting that learning mindset um, in place is probably the first place to start. And then, you know, take, if you have no tech background whatsoever, absolutely take advantage of the free technologies that you have or like the near free. So Microsoft Excel is pretty easy to get access to. Google Sheets is definitely free to get access to. Um, so pick up one of those and learn those that learn that suite of products. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I happen to think Microsoft Excel and Google, Microsoft and Google products are pretty interchangeable. If you can learn one, then it's pretty quick to pick up one, the nuances of the other. So like pick one of those and then learn how to use those, those, uh, those technologies, uh, play with the features. Um, and so if you're talking about doing analytics, definitely I would say 
take a first stab at Excel because if you were to input data, the way that I like to explain like a model table, so that's the, the data in its form before you actually do the machine learning. I explain, I like equate that to an Excel spreadsheet because that's the way that a lot of people think about how data is organized. So learn, you know, what a column is, what a row is, how you can put information that's related to a single record or observation together in one row to be able to give you answers about that thing or person or place or whatever, you know, it is that you're looking for. Um, also learn about basic statistics. So you mentioned mean, median, mode, and mode. Um, Excel has a, uh, oh my gosh, what is it called? It has an analysis Function. pack. Oh, it does it? Yeah. Oh, the data analytics pack. Yeah, it's under um, yeah. Uh, your set, your file. You can go into settings and add the data analytics pack. Yep. Absolutely. And so learn those things. So learn what does it mean to find the average or, you know, how do I find what is the most of, uh, you know, what, what shows up the most in my data set or whatever. Um, and then, you know, try to take it a step forward. Um, I would say even in, and I'm, I'm picking on Excel here only because I feel like that's, that's where I learned the basics, basics yeah. of analytics anyway. Um, you know, they even have some light, uh, like statistical tools like regression. And, um, mm -hmm. so like you, there's a tool pack for that as well. Yep. Uh, so like, if you really want to get started in the data, analytics space that's a, a fair place to to start um, and then you I mentioned some other tools like Python and R those are also free and mm -hmm. open source um, so if you want to get more into programming then you know I would take a look at those because they seem they they have a lower barrier to entry there are tons right. of like free resources online there are um, online courses. So, you know, even Harvard and, you know, the big Ivy League schools have free courses that you can take to get started in this, this area. So um, I would say the beauty of like the time we're living in right now is that there, the internet makes internet, uh, excuse me, it makes information freely available. It's just sometimes it's overwhelming trying to figure out how to get there. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I talked with someone before about really putting in, thinking about the question that you want to answer. Like, what do you really want to know? Like, if it is, you know, how many soaps did I sell or how many cookies did we sell for Girl Scouts or what, like really thinking about like what it is you want to know and then use Google to help you find the answer to that or absolutely. Bing or, or Yahoo or whatever your search engine um, option yeah. is. But I like what you said. There's a couple of things I just want to recap on it because I think she did a nice job, Shmira did a nice job of, of talking about small steps, right? One of the things we know as adult learners is we have to do things in, in, in steps because we have life and that is natural. So the first thing is to really think about being curious and not being so scared to think about, okay, what would I do to learn X, Y, Z or task, right? What, what am I curious to know? Step two is, you know, in terms of thinking about artificial intelligence and machine learning, it's all focused around this concept of data, right? And what is data? And data, data comes in all forms. And you mentioned this earlier in terms of pictures and emails and blogs and than actual numeric numbers and all those kinds of things. And I think 
understanding that that component of what is data is also a big part. And then you, that Excel is the tool to help you better understand all the indiv- individual pieces of data to then come up with a new picture. I used to tell my students a lot, you know, that, that um, data c- helps you create knowledge because you're able to pull that information and come up with new or not maybe so much new, but you're able to discern that information to, to, kind of, to be able to answer questions and understand what's happening in a, in a, with a better perspective. So you mentioned that. And then if you're interested in learning more about statistics, starting with some basics of how do you run, what's the difference between an average and a mean? Because mm-hmm. they're not the same, right? And what is a mode? What is the min, the max? What does that five number summary tell you? What are some analytical processes that, what are some analytic processes that you need in order to answer questions? You know, I like what you said. It's just, and, and that can be, you know, those can be Google searches. Those could, like you said, free resources across the internet. Mm-hmm. So tell tell them a little bit about how you help businesses better understand data and how could they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as, uh, you know, I do love to make sure that people have the access to the information that they need. So I do help, biz- I do consult with businesses and individuals um, to really break down the the barriers to getting started because I feel like getting started is the hardest part. Mm-hmm. There are you know companies that say, oh, I want to do analytics or I want to use my data to um, get to know my my business better. So you know, you asked me the question earlier, like what is analytics? There's actually different types of analytics if we talk about the way um, data is applied or you know the outcomes of it. So I would say that if you have never used data to you know, get a picture of your business, then you start with the descriptive statistics. So those are the things that Sharon and I just talked about. So, you know, getting that summary of your data and lots of times that will give you so much information. There's so much power in knowing where you are right now. Um, So helping companies get to point A and then, you know, the next step is to maybe dive into the the predictive. So you talked about getting data and turning that into knowledge, then you can actually turn that into wisdom because using predictive analytics, you actually get insights that you can use to further your business. Maybe you want to target new customers. Maybe you want to, um, you know, create a new product. Maybe you want to, you know, change something that, or like get rid of a product. So like the way to do that is to be able to predict, you know, what is going to be the next thing that you, you need to do. Um, and then there, there are other, you know, types of analytics like prescriptive. So that's really like what advice are you going to like do next? Or, I mean, what advice or how advise you on how to go to the next step. But most companies are in the predictive and excuse me, the descriptive and predictive stage. Um, I would say like, we still got a long way to go to be, to create like truly, artificially intelligent systems. I mean, we're getting closer and closer. Um, and I'll talk about <laughs> open AI only because I feel like that's like the most recent um, experience, uh, recent announcement. So 
if you're not familiar with OpenAI, it's an artificial intelligence uh, research lab and company that was founded by Elon Musk. And last month, they released a, uh, a new AI system that, that, you know, depending on your view, helps to mimic human language in a way that has not happened before. So the model that they released is called GPT-3. It's uh, GPT stands for Generative Pre-trained Transformer, um, but uh, you can give the the model some information or a prompt, and you know sometimes it can spit out things like blogs, or it will make up conversations, uh, summarizing movies. It can write code. Um, so you know, depend. Most companies aren't at that stage, but you know, companies like OpenAI, they're definitely on like the the. It's more in the it's more future uh, future innovation that's available but you know definitely if you're curious you can put yourself on a waiting list to get access to the API to be able to play around with it um, but going back to the question that you asked me before about you know what I specifically do I really just make it easy for people to know where to start um, because that that will either, you know, motivate you or demotivate you to using um, data. And I, I feel as though, you know, all companies should be using their data. That is where you get your, that, that is money for you. That is uh, uh, absolutely something that you, you should use to inform what you're doing in your business day to day. Um, and where you can find me right now, I'm, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can just look me up at Shamir Davis. Um, and in the future, I will have a, a few other days, but for right now, if you want to connect with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much. And I would, my action item for you is if you're interested in knowing more about or want to learn more about your company's data to reach out to Shamir, she can for sure help you better understand the numbers that are coming into your business. And if you'd like to learn more about what I do at the dot consulting, helping, um, businesses and uh, educational entities integrate technology and computer science, you can find me at the .consulting.co. Shamir, thank you so much for being with me today. This has been awesome. I feel like I have a better understanding of how artificial intelligence is changing the way we work and also going to help the way we work. And it's going to be a pretty cool ride to see over the next uh, 10 years or so how it really changes our working and personal lives. Well, thank you so much for having me. And we look forward to seeing everybody on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.